The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. All right, good morning, everybody. It is Tuesday, May 9th, and at this hour, new development in the Hamptons used to conjure up images of lavish houses popping up in the middle of potato fields, or as Ray says, cornfields also. Uh, but as more farms and vacant land are being preserved as open space, even fewer lots are available for new homes. Also at this hour, when the Second Avenue subway debuted at the beginning of this year, it was met with much fanfare. The multi-billion dollar project was a long time in coming, often joked about and essentially written off as an urban legend. How is it doing? We're going to talk about that today. I have my own opinions as well, of course. Plus, the panel is here for hot topics, but first... I'd like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate. I am your host, Vince Rocco. And if you want to call into the program today, the number is one 472 That is one 472 In celebrity real estate news this morning, Demi Moore finally unloaded her penthouse at the San Remo uh, apartments last month after having it on the market for several years. She had to take a major price cut to do it. The buyer paid just $45 million, well below the $75 million she was asking when the apartment first went on the market in 2015. Listing broker Adam Modlin refused to divulge the buyer who hid behind uh, the corporate entity M2 Trust and was represented by Roger Erickson of Douglas Elliman. And it's just a number, Tom. Tom Brady has reportedly asked to switch floors at 70 Vestry Street, related company's new development, where he said to be buying a $20 million apartment. He and his wife, Giselle, asked related if they could move up to the 12th floor to match Brady's number on his <laughs> Patriots jersey. I mean, you know, you can't make this stuff I up. I think that's really cute. It, whatever. For lack of better term. It might seem nutty, but sources told the real deal that Brady's number anxiety is not uncommon in the real world of real estate. And that's very true, especially when you're talking about new developments. Uh, people have all kinds of floor number issues. Every move Sting makes will be watching him. The singer, songwriter, and former police frontman has just listed his duplex apartment at Robert A.M. Stern's 15 Central Park West building for $56 million. Sting and his wife, Trudy Styler, bought the place in 2008 directly from the developers for $26.98 million. According to the Wall Street Journal, which first broke the news, the couple hired the architect firm Shelton Mindell to renovate the space, adding two spiral staircases, one of which is in the kitchen and a spiral fireplace in the living room. What is a spiral fireplace? (laughs) I've got to look up the listing to see these pictures. Spiral fireplace. The apartment is 5,400 square feet, has four bedrooms, four full bathrooms, two of which are in the master, so his and her, a 400-square-foot terrace with heaters that overlook Central Park, built-in bookcases, and a library, if you can believe it. The couple tells the the journal they are selling because they are looking for a bigger apartment for their family. Sting has six kids and many grandchildren. Hard to believe. 
The fuchsia-filled east-side apartment that belonged to Hollywood legend Greta Garbo. Here we go, millennials. Greta, Greta Garbo again. <laughs> Has finally found a buyer after a little more than a month on the marketplace. Bravo. The seven-room spread at 450 East 52nd Street went into contract on Wednesday. It had an asking price of almost $6 million, although we don't know the identity of the buyer. We're assuming they have some spare spare cash on hand as the Tony Co-op requires all cash-only purchases. The reclusive actress lived in that apartment for 40 years from 1954 until her death in 1990. The 2,855-square-foot apartment encompasses the full fifth floor of the building and includes three bedrooms, three full baths, a home office, a laundry room, an abundance of storage space, a private elevator lobby, and East River views. This will be the first time the unit has sold since Garbo bought it. And here's another one for you guys in Millennials. Saturday Night Fever turns 40 this month. One of the biggest films of the century starring John Travolta wrapped in early 1977 and went wide in movie theaters uh, that fall has been a booming success ever since. So, do you remember Saturday Night Fever? Of course I do. Oh, Come on. Have it. I sometimes walk down the sidewalk and, and do the little walk. In Brooklyn? Oh, there's your spiral fireplace. Oh, my That's actually quite beautiful. It is? Well, okay. That's the, you yeah, have to that, have a modern. That's actually I told Ray, I think it's really um, Austin Powers-ish. It's very Austin Powers. Well, looking, Ray just pulled up the, <laughs> the pictures of that apartment with the spiral Fireplace. Fireplace. Actually, um, Richard, who you're going to see later today, sold Sting's first apartment at 80 Central Park West years ago. So I'm surprised hey. he wasn't in, in consideration for this. Anyway, let's move on. The panel is here with me today. I have uh, Matthew Cohen from uh, Core Real Estate. We have Perul Brumbat from Compass. We have Raymond Lord III from Douglas Elliman. He's going to talk to us a little bit this morning about some Hamptons updates. So good morning, everybody, and thank you for being here today. Nice jacket, Vince. Hey, thank you. How are you? (laughs) All right, let's get on to it. The stunning East Hampton Beach home owned by the late Texas financier Daniel Breen, who died in 2016 at the age of 87, just sold. The palatial property at 32 Middle Lane was asking $29.95 million. The home closed for about $25 million, sources say. The buyer we hear thankfully plans to restore the home, not tear it down. It needs a lot of work, but it will be beautifully done when it is finished okay so my question to you mr lord is did average hamptons home prices take a beating last year in in general of course they're major success stories but in general did we slash prices significantly in the hamptons last year no (laughs) there we go that'd be the short answer um a beating is a little bit of a tough word to use but you also have to remember that they're looking at data that could be six months old right so in the Hamptons especially, you have stuff that takes a long time to record. It takes sometimes three months. And then what people have to realize in real estate is all those things that are recorded are done three months before that in terms of making deals. I think the average price has been fine, especially to the point where under a million has flown off the shelves and now you're left with stuff that just needs a lot of work. Um, this year, I would say it's a little mm-hmm. bit slower, but last year I wouldn't say it took a beating, no. A couple of things. All right. So first of all, I would agree with you with an asking price of twenty nine point nine five and it sold for twenty five million. That's not a bad. I mean, that's a negotiation. And, and you know, in that price point, that's about it seems to me about right. You just said something that's interesting to me. So can you still and this is for the listening audience around the world, you know, who, who pays attention on Tuesday mornings. Are there listings out there for under a million dollars in the Hamptons? I mean, the Tony Hamptons, especially East Hampton. Can you find anything for under a million dollars? You can definitely find something, but it's going to need some work. Some TLC. So what what is it that we're actually finding? I mean, yes, I agree that the TLC is needed, but I mean, are we finding two beds, three beds, cottages, you know, 
where out there? Springs? Yeah. You can actually find stuff in the Northwest, what we can, what we call the Northwest, which is outside Northwest, of Springs. Right, right. <clears throat> you can find stuff in what we call uh, East Hampton Village Fringe. In the village, you will not find anything no. less than a million dollars for a couple years now. But yeah, you can find three bedrooms, two bathrooms, um, pretty good acreage. There's, there's definitely things out there. And if you have a good realtor, they can find you things off the market. Paul Ray Lord. Now, new developments in the Hamptons used to conjure up images of lavish houses popping up in the middle of potato fields or cornfields. I mean, I just love this. But as more farms and vacant land are being preserved as open space, ever few lots are available to build new homes. And with the soaring land values, coveted beachfront locations already built on and surging demand for new and bigger houses with copious amenities, teardowns in the area have become more pervasive than ever. So I wanted to ask you about teardowns. What qualifies a house is a teardown. And first of all, you know, when I'm researching the story this week, it says it's becoming more popular than ever. I can go back 20 years and remember teardowns were the rage in the Hamptons. I mean, so I think as, as long as it was a vacation uh, oasis and people recognized the values out there, I think they wanted to make their houses bigger, better, and I think most people tore down. So is this something that's kind of uh, come back again or, you know, how... Do we really identify what a teardown is for the people out there who don't understand what we're talking about? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely come back, but I don't I really don't think it went away, right? Um, I think it's just expanded into different areas that people wouldn't realize. So beachfront teardowns, I mean, it, it's a famous one. This guy spent forty million dollars and tore the house down. Um, you hear about those things all the time. I think what people are starting to do now, though, is yeah, I think you're, you're you finding... You what, though? I really do wish that that was an option more often in Manhattan, you know, because there are buildings that just stick out like sore thumbs in the neighborhood or the skyline or whatever, but it's so difficult to, like, you know, take it down and redo it in historical perspective. Like, some of the brownstones built in the late 1800s weren't built to last. They just were making them last. I mean, in fact, brownstone, by definition, is pretty... You know, it, it's not a very durable stone. We'll get back to so, Ray in a, in, a, in, a, in a minute, but just to comment on yeah. what you said, Perul, I mean, you know, there there's the give and take there because I happen to be, uh, I'm selling a new building on the Upper East Side and I'm looking across the street, uh, magnificent views south and west. I'm looking mm -hmm. across the street in both directions and there are all of the old tenement buildings along 2nd Avenue that I sit there and I think, well, yeah, maybe some of them should be turned down and maybe someday they're going to be large glass towers just like the one I'm in and selling. But then I think, isn't that a sad situation? Because as you do that, unlike maybe in the Hamptons, as you do that, you do take away, you know, the face of what we call old New York City and, yeah, the, and the vintage, you know, look and feel of the city. And it really gets converted to this new, you know, I call it Dallas, Texas, you know, where I you mean, walk the streets and everything is a tall <laughs> right. glass building. I mean, look, I think that, I think that like the West Village, right? There's, there, I think beauty needs to be preserved just because something is old and historical doesn't necessarily have value. In other words, if it's an ugly building from, you know, 1957 or no. 1982, it doesn't really matter. I'm not, I wasn't even thinking. Yeah, I'd rather tear those I wasn't down even, than the 20s exactly. and, and the See, I wasn't even thinking about the tenements when I, you know, when I said, that yeah. I was genuinely thinking about like just tired real estate that we just keep on reselling because it's tough to get everybody out of a building and redo a whole building. I know, you know? what Pearl's saying. It's like when you're yeah. walking around Harlem, which is one of the most historic districts in the city, and mm -hmm. you had these gorgeous brownstones, but some of them are actually falling apart and right. they just don't fit in anymore to the point where you want to preserve the history, but also 
you want to keep a beautiful block so that at some point when they do build right, and, I, and I don't have you know, such nostalgia towards history generally I have nostalgia towards beauty of history specifically you know what I mean okay so can so, we yeah. so then can we use the term restoration instead right. of tear down absolutely change. <laughs> for example I actually went I actually went to a bunch of private people because there's a there's a building right on Lafayette um, that has these old marble columns. Oh, there some of those go- buildings down there. The Astors, like the yes. the Astors, were the first yes. people to really kind of condone like communal living, and they moved in. Like some of the Astor children moved into that building. Anyway, so much history, and there's so many beautiful bones to that that I'd want to preserve that for centuries, right? So, it, by no means am I not a pre- preservationist, but I also don't feel like we need to save tenement buildings because if we could, even in fact. If there was, in a perfect world, a way to tear those down and make more beautiful housing that is still low income, that still caters to a certain market, sure. But I don't have any nostalgia towards something that just doesn't look good. I also think this is a topic that we could talk a whole show about because of of zoning and everything. I mean, if you think about it, if you got rid of all the zoning and all those tenement buildings, either, you know, along avenues that are not on the corner or inside streets where you have space and lots of air rights, um, I think if you got rid of all that zoning, we'd be in Hong Kong. I think we would be a city that oh, is so yeah. vertical. And I, I yeah. think that you would yeah. lose all the people from London who come here and like the character still and, and the pre-war. And, right? and we, not to rip on. Oh, sorry. We have to leave it there. We're going to take a break. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will come right back. Don't go away. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel. Every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll free in North America at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Now, right. back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back. And I wanted to get back to Ray Lord on that comment about teardowns, because like I said, you know, 20 years ago, I remember, you know, people were buying homes, tearing them down, making them bigger, et cetera. Question to you, you mentioned a $40 million house that someone bought and then is tearing down. So one would say out there in the listening audience, what on earth, why would anybody spend $40 million, number one, and number two, tear the whole thing down and then start again probably for another 10 or $15 million in a rebuild. Help us out. Yeah, it sounds crazy, but um, it's going to sound crazier. So he tore it down because he could not see the ocean from every bedroom. But, 
It was on the ocean, so you got to understand that. In the, is in, on further lane? No, it was in Sagaponic. Um, but you have you have things of Sagaponic, Southampton, East Hampton, like you said, further lane, which was one of the most expensive sales recently, one hundred and forty-seven million. So you have properties that are it's worth just, it. Yeah, are so yeah. I mean, worth if you it. do the math on it, it works. You know, it's like, and they get it, like, because <clears throat> you take something that's forty million dollars, but you bought it really because of the location and the land and the the frontage to the ocean and now you're going to just take out the house build something for 10 let's just say he puts in 10 million dollars to construct something new which just you know it doesn't construction even when you want to build the best thing ever is still going to be you know worth only so much so now you're in so, for 50 right so now yep. in for 50 but then if the place next door is selling at 147 and this can at least sell for 80 you're it's well worth it but i think you guys touched on two things before that are really relevant to out east is one being you know, Audi says we were talking about this earlier, but Audi definitely does a number on a house, especially in the winter, actually, over the summer. So you have a lot of things that were built in the 80s or 90s that are just not up to what energy efficiency is now. Right. right. So people, that's a big thing on people's mind. Right. And then the second part of that is sometimes it's actually more expensive to renovate than it is just to tear the house down and start over. And it sounds crazy, but that's just the reality of it. No, I have a friend who's who spent many years out in the Hamptons doing just that for himself and for clients. And that's one thing I remember him always saying. And at the beginning, I didn't really understand it or appreciate it. But he used to say sometimes it cost more money to renovate yeah. these older homes with eight-foot ceilings. And, and now you're blowing up because you want nine-foot ceilings or 18-foot yeah. ceilings and adding structure. So he said, you know, most of the time, and I saw it with his own mm -hmm. projects, you tear the place down and you rebuild Again, you know, for me, sometimes it just comes down to the 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 vintageness or the quality. Like I was just saying a little while ago of New York City, there are places in the Hamptons that you know you know fit that bill too. But yet, on the flip side of that, there are some beautiful, brand new, modern places out there that are just beyond spectacular. And before beyond. we came on the air, we were talking about it, how it's all relative. You know, for, it sounds crazy, but. $40 million to some people in this world is actually not that much. I mean, when mm -hmm. you look at people like right. royal families of, you know, Middle Eastern countries and, you know, CEOs of tech companies, um, Bill Gates, these people have billions. So when you have billions, $40 million doesn't sound like as much. It, it, it's very true. Everything is relative. And out there, you know, that happens to be a, um, a storied kind of oasis where, you know, the, the make-believe, really does happen. I mean, there's so much out there that's just beyond, you know, I've said this for years, that's one of my favorite places in the world. For a whole host of reasons, you go out there and you just feel magic and you just feel like the sun and the light and the and the air is wonderful. Uh, so, you know, that's what draws all these very, very uber wealthy people to that land. And, you know, it is what it is because of what it is. Question also, you know, there's also just investment value too. Like there's, I think that sometimes I can be, you know, I, I don't know, I think, there's this balance between, you know, just crazy expenditure of money just because you can throw it around. Um, that's a whole different, you know, data set than, than somebody who buys something like this that's very calculated and understands the return of the... Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the thing is, um, let me ask you, Ray, uh, since you were here about a month ago, you know, what is the status of the, of the market now that you're getting into the throw with a real heavy, you know, rental season, because as we said before, it is a very much uh, uh, a vacation spot as well as secondary home spot, as well as full-time residents. So how, how has the market, you know, changed since you were here last? Is it, I'm noticing just in my little old business here in Manhattan that in the last three to four weeks, it's 
gotten so busy that I, I go home at night. I don't even know where to find the bedroom to just fall on the bed. It's just been crazy, and that's good. But what's going on in the Hamptons? So it's not great, but it's not bad. I think what's happening is, and you guys can tell me a lot more in depth, but I think what's happening is there's a lot more bargains in the city right now. I think a lot of new construction came on and kind of it creates good competition for the bar. So they can they can pick up deals that... You know, originally they had allocated money for out east, and now they say, "Hey, listen, this apartment we can it's on the market for four million dollars. We can grab it for what three one something." Um, and I think a lot of the people are deciding to buy New York right now over the Hamptons, actually. Um, so it's slowed us it's slowed it down a bit. It's not dead, but it's yeah. definitely slower than normal. Right. And we've all talked about it and felt it in the past month. Yeah, and and you know, similar. You know, these guys can tell you here in the, in the city, we went through kind of a slump and then a flat line and then up a little bit and then kind of flat line again, and now it seems to be you know bubbling up again. So I think it's the nature of the business in New York, period, whether it's the Hamptons or whether it's New York City. But I think I'm seeing you know not only just for me but across uh, my friend network and my my broker friend network that it the, the yeah. Increase I in mean, I don't I don't know who's stronger. calling you back right now because I have no time to call you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it. true. It's really true. I mean, we are crazed. It's, it's like I'm work. I, last week, I think I slept five hours yeah, night, every yeah, single night yeah. because I didn't have the time to yeah. sleep. It's 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 yeah. very true. Like I said before, it's a good thing. But you know, between the emails on properties and the text on properties and the and the and the phone but calls on properties, I mean, all the good things. So that is an indication. And, and then yeah, you get absolutely. into the negotiations and stuff. Crazy. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was sick last weekend, and I had to work from home when I was sick, and on. Thursday, I took like an hour nap because I, I was so sick that I couldn't even stay awake. And I woke up to so many missed calls, as Pearl was saying. And one of the voicemails was, where are you? What's going on? One of my clients, and I call, I called him back and could barely talk. And I was like, I'm sorry. I'm, I can barely catch my breath. I'm just very sick. I don't normally get sick. And he's like, sick? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> you can't, get sick. You you can't be sick. <laughs> you can't be sick. But isn't it nice to be missed? And then how they how they notice in a heartbeat when yeah. we are not so readily available. Like last night, and I you was don't return so quickly. Last night, I, around five thirty, I just had that like I just need to for an hour moment, and so I was I set my alarm for six forty five, like literally for an hour and fifteen minutes, just to like take a break. <laughs> and I was stressing for at least 15 minutes before I could fall asleep about like, oh my God, but there's going to be so many people trying to get a hold of me. This is still work hours. Like nobody's expecting me to be off the grid right now. I actually send a message and sorry for everybody who's hearing me right now who know, got this <laughs> message from me. I was like, hey guys, running into a yoga class because I was like, I don't even know what else to do right now. So yeah, didn't go to yoga. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no time for that either. No right, time for that. Moving on. After a burst of construction, the luxury real estate market is awash with million and multi-million dollar homes for sale. Buyers are taking their time before signing on the dotted line and sales agents and brokers have had to get more creative in drawing attention to their listings. We've seen buyers come, uh, see an apartment four or five times and they're still on the fence and there seems to be no sense of urgency. Luxury, of course, is a relative term when it comes to New York City and pricing where the average price of a condominium keeps rising and is currently $3.2 million dollars according to a report recently from CityRealty.com. What are you guys doing in your particular markets with your listings, new developments or not, to gain more uh, attention to the listing and to get more visitors? Because, you know, as, as I just said, things seem to be kind of lagging out there. Great properties, even great prices. 
buyers seem to want to buy. And as I just said to you, at least what I'm seeing in my, my little old world, you know, activity has increased. But people are still not yet pulling triggers, pulling triggers as quickly as they used to be and in new development as well as resale. So what are you guys seeing in your market? And I'm assuming in the housing market as well. I like to flip that around and I, I don't try and do as much as possible to actually that sounds really bad. I don't try to be as creative as possible about getting my listings out there for the public. I try and utilize what I have. So, you know, do I try and get as much press as possible? Sure. You know, do I get a lot of PR and marketing and, and putting it out there? Sure. But when you do have showings, when I have a showing, a private showing or even an open house, even if it's just one person who comes, I try and make the most out of that one showing. And I, I, I find, and I always say this when I'm teaching classes to newer brokers, I say, try not to do as much as possible, but focus more on the little things. And I think the little things are utilize each and every opportunity that you can to show it. You know, that's interesting. I feel like for me, it's been in terms of casting a net to get those showings. Um, which, of course, Matthew and I always agree. So I 100% agree. <laughs> do we always I, agree? I 100 we Well, almost like 98%, yeah. I think. So <laughs> um, the other 2%, we finally make it interesting for everybody else, Absolutely. you know? But um, so in other words, I, what I was trying to say was that... At least that, according to the emails I get on YouTube, of course. My two superstars, Oh, thank Absolutely. you. That's so sweet. Um, thank you, everybody. Uh, but uh, going back to what Matthew... I 100% agree that ultimately it's the experience you create during the showing that matters. And I'll go into a little story about that because I was just blown away. But, uh, but however, in terms of getting those people to come and notice your listing to even make the phone call to come see the apartment, I think creativity like these days, you know, virtual staging or you doing a virtual reality thing with like glasses if it's a higher end property um, doing a little video, you know, there's just so many video is videos is video is king. Thing. Yeah, video is king these days. And you know what? I'm proud to say, really, Compass kind of made that into a thing. Halstead really sort of made it into a thing, and I think it's kind of been you know. I, I I agree. You know, video. You know, I'm I I've been in the business 15 years, and back we used to call them virtual tours, which were really not that great. Right. They were photos with boring music. That's <laughs> what it was. Yeah, it was a slideshow exactly. of boring photos. And totally. now it's just, it's Horrible. turning into this like amazing thing. You know, so there videos is a, do a lot yeah. for. Sale. I don't call them videos though. I call it a real estate commercial. Yeah, when I'm is. speaking to like I'm at a pitch. It's a commercial. I agree. It's, it's not a, a, commercial. Video. It's a commercial. And not only that, it's like now we're doing like little lifestyle bits in there yep. where you know where the traditional point of view even five years ago, real estate brokers would have scoffed and been like, oh, it's about focusing on the property. And if you put people in that, that's just a distraction. And I used to even back then say, I'm glad you says brought that who? up because I wanted to ask says you about that. Go ahead. Yeah. Like it's about portraying a lifestyle, you know, but to for people, sure. well, they I, can't relate to a wall. Yeah, exactly. I also <laughs> think flash marketing is doing really well these days. I remember when I was in, in, you know, getting my finance degree and we, I took a marketing class and they had this whole concept of flash marketing, which is if you're watching a movie or a TV show or are on some sort of media and you see a flash of a brand or you see something. Um, these days, you I'll be scrolling Instagram and I all of a sudden like a listing comes up that Corcoran put in, yep. it, even though I don't follow Corcoran. Yep. Um, that no offense to Corcoran, I didn't mean it like that, but but the point is, is that flash marketing is doing really well, and, and I know people yep. who are going to see properties or new developments, especially mm -hmm. because of it. 
Yeah. It, it, it's interesting too when you're talking about social media, and you might go to a website to look at a development that you know you you know somebody has or whatever, and then all of a sudden, every time you sign on to social media, in your newsfeed, this new development keeps popping up. And at first, mm-hmm. I thought, what did I do to create this? This is driving me insane, and it happens to be my own development. Well, it's but, the fact that you ever clicked on Street Easy. And, now, even, and right. even that, too. So, yeah, you got to be really careful what you do. But that's all good stuff. Anyway, we're going to take a break. You are listening to Good Morning New York on the uh, Voice America Variety Channel. We're coming back. Don't go away. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back. We're talking to Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate, (laughs) Parul Rombat from Compass, Raymond Lord III from Douglas Elliman, and we have a special guest uh, for this segment, Dina Scortino, and we're going to introduce her in a minute. We're talking about closing gifts before we move on to other hot topics you know, here in the city, I'm sure in the Hamptons, I'm sure anywhere in uh, the country when you're a real estate agent and you have a successful transaction and it gets to closing because, you know, half the time we keep our fingers and our toes crossed that we get past the contract stage and then it actually goes to closing because real estate is not an easy thing. Anyway, when that does happen and we're very appreciative of our clients we uh, for working with us, we like to get them closing gifts. So there's a whole array of things that we can purchase for them. What do you guys typically think of? Uh, when you think of closing gifts, I mean, do you do it? Some I know some agents in this town who don't give closing gifts, and for again, for a whole host of reasons. Yes, you're giving me kind of room to to open plug here, but one of the things, right, for me that's specific to my business model is I give ten percent of the commissions that I earn on every transaction back to charity. But that's also like you know when you go to a wedding and instead of giving you like a little gift, they say we're making a donation to dolphins or whatever. 
And so it's not still giving, you know, it's still not giving something tangible to your client. So I think that ultimately. Well, but it is if they're, if they're is. really passionate about a charity. Right. And 10% is a huge chunk of change. Absolutely. That being said, you know, I also think that it's really important to just like do something thoughtful, right? So like if somebody is really into drinking, you know, nice bourbon, then I might get them like a Baccarat, you know, like like one of those, you know, scotch, whatever decanters, you know. Um, if somebody's really into wine, I might get them a wine decanter. You know, if they're really into certain sort of art or whatever. Like, for instance, recently I just took um, a higher-end client of mine to see Sunday in the George with Park, uh, Sunday in the Park with George, and took him to dinner at Le Cuckoo because you know he he in fact told me to go to Spring in Paris, which is the same chef from you know. So this was two and a half years ago that he had recommended that I, he was like, oh my God, you're going to Paris. You have to try out spring. And I thought the restaurant was amazing. So I kept that in mind. And then I not only took him to see a show that I know he really wanted to see, but then he totally didn't expect the dinner. And he was just like, oh my God, like that's so thoughtful that you remembered that I liked that chef from like years ago, you know? So just little thoughtful, personalized things, I think, is what's really important. Well, it's also Parole and I, and I'm sure Ray, too, we don't have one-off clients. You know, we have clients who we're very friendly with, we become very close with, and we do multiple transactions with throughout the years. So, you know, I like I always say, all my clients love drinking. I mean, come on. And so, you know, (laughs) an easy present is just getting them a bottle of Vuv, but even though that's just in the moment, you know, for example, for the holidays last year, I... What I wound up doing was I got all of my clients. Um, a, I, I, people, I know people hate gift cards, but I thought this was a fun idea. I got them. I gift love card. gift cards. <laughs> Vince is the only one in the world. Um, <laughs> I got my clients gift cards. I want to be in to, control of what I buy. Okay, okay, easy. So I got my clients <laughs> Note gift to cards self, Vince, message to, received. <laughs> so to my favorite restaurant in their neighborhood. So I thought that was that's really a, fun. That's clever. Yeah, that's keeping then, it relevant. And it was, mm-hmm. you know, these are not cheap restaurants so like they were very substantial gift cards but Mm -hmm. also you know what wound up happening was most of my clients called me or texted me and not only thanked me but made sure they went with me and so I got to go with them on all these dinners and it was Uh great we had a lot of fun doing it so it's things that you can enjoy I think together too Right, you were talking about something that I thought was genius in, in house closings out uh, in, in the suburbs, you know, outside of New York City. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, especially when you have to travel to get to your summer home. Um, I always try to, in, I'll, I will say I make a complete distinction between a client and a customer. So usually a customer is, is you know, a buyer coming in and buying a house. So I'll, I'll purchase them a nest because it takes them two hours to get out there. I'd rather have them be able to turn it on. Tell us what a nest is. A Nest thermostat, so you can control it via Wi-Fi. And it takes two and a half to three hours, sometimes five, if you really are stuck in traffic. And if it's in the summer, you can cool the house down so it's cool by the time you get there. If it's in winter, you can warm it up by the time you get there. I think um, it's genius. Mm-hmm. And it's n- not to uh, knock the whole wine thing, but I just don't <laughs> like to give people. I don't like to give people a gift that they can consume. Um, I do too. That's why I'll get a decanter, but yeah. not the wine. I mean, not that I don't you. give them a wine with it. Something that's always going to remind you right. when they see it or use it. That exactly. Yeah, and whether right it's again, conscious or subconscious. Yes. Matthew again. Exactly. Which leads me to uh, Deanna Scortino, who is here, and she works at Cutco. And for those of you who don't understand what Cutco is, it's a very, I call it upscale knife set. And she's going to talk more about that. Uh, she is a Cutco 
Hall of Fame member, number one in the nation for Cutco sales in 2016. Bravo. Number one female rep in the Western U.S. since 2010. She's all about representing an American company that stands behind their product no matter what. Did you hear that? American company made in America, made in New York State. Yay. What a concept. What a concept. She loves helping realtors and her business, professional friends, clients, etc. retain uh, and she retains their clients through high-end branded gifts that lasts forever. So good morning and thank you for stopping by today. Thanks for having me, Vince. This is great. It's always good to see you. So um, tell us a little bit about your product and how uh, well-received it is by the broker community, not only here in New York, but around the nation. Sure. So I think there's two types of people we help. Some people just, you know, need good things at home. They have some crap at home and they need some good things. Um, The other people that we help a lot are business owners, like realtors, lenders, developers, And the statistic that I found out was only 9% of the population can name their agents after two years. 9% from NAR. Not my client. <laughs> you must be within that nine percent. Well, you know that, that's, that's not surprising, but yet sometimes I guess it is surprising. Right, and I think some people get some people that don't really understand what I do get wrapped up in the in the knives. Like, oh, I don't know about knives, or I don't I do this or do that, and I'm like, okay, I got it. Look, let's look beyond that because. I've been working here since 1998, so I have to look beyond my business just like you guys do. I mean, I was like six when I started, so <laughs> you get it. I was Clearly. about to say, I'm going, no way, the math you know, is not I get Motox, no, I'm just kidding. I haven't done that yet, <laughs> not yet. Um, but <laughs> my point is, is that our, our goal is to put something in the mix. So I definitely, especially in LA, especially I call them my West Siders, my West Side agents are very about catering to the client because I mean these people are buying 100 million dollar homes they can buy anything they want so you definitely show that you're listening to them and their needs and give them something that they will totally appreciate that shows you went the extra mile but put something in the mix so a year from now five years from now 10 years from now they're still looking at that thing branded with your info if you'd like or you can specialize it absolutely (laughs) yeah keeping it relevant Exactly. And so that's what I always say is, I mean, we have things anywhere from, yes, we have knives, but we also have things like an ice cream scoop and we have things like, you know, like cutting boards and a server and a wine opener that's engraved. Yeah. So, and the other last thing is you want to consult your tax professional, but at least in California, I think this is nationwide, but you can technically legally only write off $25 per client Correct. gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is for us too. Which is totally insulting if you're making like 20 grand and here's a $25 gift card. Like obviously yeah. you'd rather give nothing based on manners alone, but because we <laughs> engrave it, you can legally shift that cost over to advertising now 100% tax deductible. I think there's something to be said for, like you just said, that you know when you pick up whatever the gift is that you're giving to your clients and you see that person's name, our mutual friend Denise Rosner from Keller Williams in Beverly okay. Hills, shout out to Diva. Um, you know, at the end of the day, she sends magnets every year and it's on my refrigerator and I've got like seven of them lined up. I have one too. There isn't one morning that I walk into my kitchen to make my coffee and I'm, you know, still trying to wake up. And the first thing I see is I around the corner is my beloved divas, you know, calendar, um, things up there with her beautiful face, her name and and whatever else. And if I were a client, I'm going to say, Wow, good morning. You know, or I remember her. Or yeah, she's in my life every day. She's on my refrigerator, uh, whatever. So I think, you know, a lot of these things make sense. I have purchased you know, the Cutco knives from you and I've given them to my clients to rave reviews. So, and not everybody is a chef, you know, but, but they all appreciate the fact that when I, need to de- when I need to use this product, I can. 
and it's really it really works for them or for me or for whatever. I think the bottom line is too is I mean, especially in real estate, people work so hard to obtain the clients and then closing the deal, they can do that. But the biggest challenge my agents tell me is the retention of the client. Mm-hmm. So you'd hate to make twenty, thirty thousand dollars plus on a transaction and then ten years later find out that person went to someone else. You have to retain them and that's this is just a tool that you can use to do that with. So owner we uh, if we want to give one away, yeah, let's let's say so the first 10 emails or phone calls I get with information uh, about you, we'll give the 11th caller or email person a free um, $100 of free Cutco, whatever they do. $100 write. of free Cutco. That's so uh, the, that, that's a great idea. So the, the email to write to is the Cutco gal at gmail.com, the Cutco, C U T C O G A L at gmail.com or you can email me at the show or call into the number that we use at the top of the show and the 11th call in person or email write in person will get a hundred dollar gift certificate to a set of Cutco knives or whatever you choose and then you guys can follow it uh, on Instagram the knife gal (laughs) the website is the knife gal.com and then Facebook the knife gal Knifegal.com. Okay, well, that that's that's an eye opener. We get that. All right. <laughs> the Land above the nice. rest. <laughs> I got above, baby. We actually engraved that. Yeah, there we go. Man. All right. So let's move on. We got a few minutes left in the segment. In the world of New York City real estate, a classic six apartment has become shorthand for a certain type of stately, highly desirable pre-war apartment. But what gets somewhat less attention is the classic six's smaller version and cheaper younger sibling. The Classic Five. So our own Matthew Cohen here explained this to a story in Brick Underground recently, and he's going <laughs> to tell us and the listening audience what a Classic Five apartment so is. So this is a great interview, actually, because it, the the editor called me, and I thought it was about Classic Sixes, so I got all ready to do it. And then she goes, no, 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 Classic Five. We want to tell people about something that's different. And I was like... Oh, I have to remember what a classic five is. <laughs> so the interview <laughs> took a little longer. But a classic, it's its basically the same kind of idea as a classic six. But a classic five is a two-bedroom apartment that has a dining alcove. So it's almost like a or one. A, or a dining room. Right. Exactly. Well, exactly. So it's almost like a junior four is a one bed with a dining alcove or dining room. And you can turn that into an office if you want to. In the Classic Five, of course, it's not laid out the same way where you could, you know, the dining alcove or dining room is right next to the kitchen. You can close it off and make a baby room. A lot of times on Park Avenue or Madison, you know, on the Upper East Side, it's it's more in the middle of the apartment, actually, almost like a gracious foyer. Um, but that that is a Classic Five for all so, y'all so, out there. So the Classic <laughs> Six basically is a, a, a six-room apartment, which is two bedrooms living, kitchen, dining, and a maid's room. So that's a total count of six. A classic five is, as Matt just explained, all of that minus the maid's room. And I got to tell you something. We have them in my building, the classic fives, and they're beautiful. And, you know, unless you need a small little maid's room, you know, you're saving a whole boatload of money buying a five versus a six. I mean, I think the Lord every day. I was going to say, I think the Lord, Ray Lord. You're welcome. I (laughs) (laughs) I think the Lord every day that I have a maid's room in my apartment. No, just kidding. Sorry. Oh, I, I think I, I think people I, laugh I when major comes I, up. I just got that. I've been a little sleepy this morning, so you thank the Lord 
every day. As <laughs> I'm going to say, I think the Ray Lord. I expect a text That's every so day. Okay. Yeah, there you okay, go. Okay, we're going to leave it right there and go to break. You are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Only Matthew Cohen, our star millennial. We will be right back. <laughs> the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we're back at the Funny Farm, and we're talking to Matthew Cohen from Court Real Estate, <laughs> Rob Ronbat from Compass, Raymond Lord III from Douglas Elliman, and Dinas Cartino from Cutco uh, knives. Anyway, moving on, you know, here, here's a good one. When the Second Avenue subway debuted at the beginning of this year, it was met with much fanfare. The multi-billion dollar project was a long time coming, often joked about, you know, long time New Yorker here saying it's never going to happen, uh, and essentially written off like an urban legend. Area residents rejoiced after years of waiting and having to put up with construction noise and dirt. It was awful. Uh, displaced retailer retailers uh, could finally settle in in cordon off streets where thankfully uh, no um, obstructions any longer. It was heralded as a true game changer, something that would um, bridge the divide between the Upper East Side and the Tony Upper Upper East Side and the Tony area west of Lexington, which is called the Gold Coast, and the less than ritzy area west of the Avenue. Even those who had long sworn off subways for Uber wanted a ride. It was like being part of history. Post-election, our nation was divided, but at least New York City was more connected because of the subway than ever. So, I'm sure all of us have ridden the Second Avenue subway since its inception in January. Parole I took it this morning, out. actually. There you go. Parole hasn't. What is, what, what is, the, what, what is the general consensus? What? What guys? What? <laughs> I love the Q train. It's so... Um, actually, no, I shouldn't say that. 
I have I have different opinions about it. I think that it's a little too clean. Like uh, when I <laughs> when I, clean. Oh, no, no, when I go it to time. it, there time. Yeah. When I go to it, I feel like I'm on the DC metro. It smells like what a new house, and I love God. it. Yes. The well, smell well, is amazing. I Whenever I, no, maybe? I'm just used to going on the subway and having it be disgusting I and know, gritty. But is, is it? You know, like I mean, all of us here are well traveled, and and you know, it's just like you go to foreign countries, and you know, their subway disgusting, and we are like arguably like this amazing you know we think we're the center of the world right and yet our subway is they are aren't we yeah, yeah, <laughs> but you know like this subway really makes me kind of like, like you know so, i agree with you one of my yeah. clients who we recently closed on the upper east is was coming from dc and he even said one of the reasons he bought up there was because the new second avenue subway reminded him of the metro all right, but, but but I want to get past the, the aesthetic of it because I agree. It's beautiful. The mosaic work. No, the is functionality stunning. is fantastic. I'll tell you, I took it this morning. It is, a, it is a game changer. It's a perfect term. 100% game changer. Because from the Upper East to anything on the West Side, mm-hmm. even like Penn Station was a pain in the neck. And now you can go and just you walk it's a block. True. It's so easy. It's really amazing. I go from my office, which is in the village, up to 2nd Avenue and 61st Street. I mean, with relative ease. I get on the train, the queue, as Matt said, in uh, Union Square, and I take it all the way up to 63rd Street and 3rd Avenue, and I walk two blocks to 61st. I mean, it's game changer is not the not the word for it. Now, some of the some of the criticisms I've heard, and the reason I bring this up is, um, yeah, we're we're, we're all going to get used to the fact that it's it's new and beautiful, and it's going to get dirty at some point because that is New York City, but. It seems to be multiple levels below ground. For example, the 63rd Street station, I mean, when you get off the train, you're on the platform as usual, but you take an elevator up three levels, and then you take an escalator up one more to get to street level. So it's a little daunting when you think, going through the experience the first or second time, Wow, like I'm a Dante's. daily underground. Inferno. Okay, Dante's Inferno here. People need to get over it. I'm in like, the middle I, of the earth. New Yorkers, New Yorkers just love to complain. So, this, again, like it, that wasn't you, a complaint. I think when, that was an observation. No, it's definitely a complaint. <laughs> he, he knows me too well. I, I, it's definitely a complaint because I complained the first time I took it I had to go up so high, oh and I was God. like, okay. Easy, Matt. It's a new subway, and I was thinking about when it's you take still the way too grand and when you, but when you take the F train on like up to the Upper East, the yeah. you know lower the, Upper East, you have to go so high, right? So I feel like I'm in the nether worlds there yeah. too. So yes, <laughs> that's exactly. along the same lines because when you get off at 63rd Street, the F is across the platform, and the Q is on this side. So F riders and Q riders are going up the same. I, listen, I love it. It's a game changer, as Ray said. I think it's the best thing in the world. It's I think it's great change. for real estate. It's, it's been awesome. Change the I also I bought estate. my apartment there before it opened, and that was one of the biggest smart reasons. House. Yeah, it was yeah. very smart. And it's amazing. It's such a help. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. All right. Anyway, so it will get better. It will continue to do what it is. It's jam packed. I actually had to wait for one train to go by the other day, just like in the old days on the six train, and I thought this is not happening again. But that's all good. <laughs> Anyway, for homeowners, there's perhaps nothing as depressing as an outdated or ugly bathroom. Renovation companies have seen thousands of sad bathrooms from retro and not in a cool way colors to illogical layouts to plumbing leaks that cause other issues. Now, I bring this up because in New York City, bathrooms are a big deal. I'm assuming in the housing market out of New York City, it's the same thing. Why are nice bathrooms important to apartment dwellers here in New York City? And how much does it cost to renovate one? A lot. Oh, so I was actually <laughs> going to say the opposite. 
I think really, yeah. So, I'm in a studio and I have like a little bathroom. I get quoted thirteen thousand dollars. Whoa! Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you putting really? like the Viking? No, of, no. Of, <laughs> like, <laughs> I was actually removing the tub. Do you have a in the bathroom? I don't know about. <laughs> I was removing the tub, putting a tray in the toilet that you push the button and you go up in the air and oh fly my out god, Willy Wonka. No, no, come on, seriously, thirteen thousand dollars. And I got three quotes. That was the cheapest. What? Yeah. Okay, so I was going to say that. I've I've gone through a lot of renovation with a lot of clients and I actually think that most people love redoing bathrooms and making them perfect because you can do them on the low end these days. Not to completely disagree, but I I've had you hey, know Matt, people. Hey Matt, do you have a contact for Ray for his bathroom <laughs> renovation? You should send it to me go. for real. <laughs> I do too. Good. No, I mean I've you know I've had clients in very high end you know three four bedroom apartments who redo a nice size bathroom with you know, subway tile and, you know, fixtures that are Kohler or um, even like a Toto and, uh, you know, well, and those, they do it for 10,000 or under. Yeah. Um, so I think at the end of the day, that's not horrible. That's really good. Give me the contact. It's also also for <laughs> everyone out there. I'm, I don't work for this company, but I will plug them because I think they're absolutely fantastic, whether it's a bathroom or your kitchen or even elsewhere in renovations. Perch with a P is a great store. Um, they have one in in New Jersey and they have one downtown in Soho and it's amazing. You you have you can go throughout the store and there are like 20 kitchens you could walk through and see all the different fixtures and a million bathrooms where you could see all the different, you know, all the different faucets and all the different toilets and and I went with a client we had we had so much fun for hours and she was like sitting on each toilet and I was like that's probably not clean but <laughs> it's so, it so much fun it's, that's it's wonderful. anyone who's Hands renovating on. have to go to that store that's all right funny. I have a question we're still on the, on the bathroom situation so if you're changing your tub to a more spacious walk-in shower so you're removing the tub you're putting in a spacious walk-in shower which a lot of people like tubs a lot of people like mm-hmm. sh- stall showers how does that affect the overall value of your home when you, you want to sell what? it, going from a tub to a, a stall shelf? Here's the thing. So historically, that used to be a thing. It used to be that tubs were preferable and were better for the value, resale value of an apartment. Nowadays, I think that's completely turned on its head. Um, I 100% agree with you. Absolutely. I mean, it's like people, it's just a preference. And in fact, like at 196 Orchard, for instance, like my new development, it is cheaper for us to do a bathtub than it is to do a shower shelf. Absolutely. Um, because of the amount of marble that is used versus just throwing in a porcelain tub. 100%. You know? And developers and don't want to change it. If, right. But we are doing more stall showers than tubs unless requested otherwise. Um, and not, I shouldn't say it that way. I mean, there have been a couple of people who, ha- who have made an appeal to have a tub and we've, we've helped them out. Um, but that being said, it's because the preference has swung towards hours more often than But in the 2% that Perul and I disagree, I have to agree to disagree. I think that it depends on the kind of apartment. Because I think if you have a one-bedroom, it's fine to have a salt shower. And I think, but if you ever have anything like a two-bedroom, say, just to to give an easy example, you have to keep one bathroom with a tub. I was just going to say, sorry to to ruin it for the listening audience. I was just about to make that caveat. (laughs) Which is, is, unless people have dogs or babies, like when people have dogs or babies or plan to have either one, there is a necessity. For a tub there. Uh, absolutely. And yeah. you see that in resale, you see that in new development. Yep. You know, obviously, the ultimate 
is to have a bathroom, usually in the master where you have a stall shower and then a bathtub mm-hmm. right next to it or a soaking tub, whatever. Like doing that, a pie fixture, yeah. That's the ultimate. But, you know, it, it's really, I think Matt said, it's very individual. It's very apartment-based. I mean, you know, even in a one-bedroom because mm-hmm. people still, still, you know, start their families oftentimes in this town in a one-bedroom and then move on. So you still want to have that tub. And I find a lot of women... In addition to the oversized closets that they like or need, they still also like to take baths. And for everyone out there, being a dog lover, God, wash your dogs in the sink. Don't wash them in the tub. That's they don't disgusting. fit in the sink. Okay, well, they should. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure your remodel guy can I'm fix sorry. their sink. <laughs> or buy an apartment with outdoor space and hose them off. Mine comes into, and mine comes into the shower with me, and I hold her up under the, under the water, and I wash her but off. But you hold your dog on a pedestal. Like, like and figuratively, you hold it she, on I a do, pedestal. but she's only 14 pounds, but she fits perfectly right under the water, and I... I soap her up and then I, you know. And the Hamptons have a new thing where they will build a whole dog washing station in some new development. Absolutely. I want that. All right, listen, (laughs) uh, it's ever so fitting that we end this discussion today in the toilet. I'm out of time. (laughs) This is our show for today. Thanks to my guest and panel, as always. we, We will be back next week. Be kind to one another, please. For all of us at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining us. And I will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.